as I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, hey. You're listening to the Topic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. The Arturo. Um, and after that, uh, I was called to the Mount Airy Baptist Church in Bridgeport, and that's where I served for 17 years. And uh, overlapping that, those years of service was... Um, my becoming a clinical social worker, going back to school for the master's in social work and the doctorate in social welfare. Um, And combining those two areas in my pastoral work and uh, as an adjunct member of the faculty here at the Yale Divinity School, which started in 1987. Um, In 1992, I was invited to become university chaplain uh, at Yale and senior pastor of the Church of Christ and resident in its chapel called uh, Battelle Chapel. And so I stepped down from Mount Airy after those 17 years, came back to New Haven and served as university chaplain for 15 years. Um, During that time, we did a lot of work on promoting multi-faith campus ministries and understanding amongst different religious traditions and traditions that would be considered by some as spiritual and not necessarily religious, but part of the larger matrix diversity of spiritual orientations that people have in in our world. And so that was um, a very exciting time that Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed. Then after those 15 years as chaplain, I stepped down and became a full-time faculty member at the Worst Wireless School of Social Work at Yeshiva University in New York City. Worst Wireless is the school where I went back to back to and got the master's and the doctorate. Mm. So this is how all these things get connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I served on faculty there for five years. And the the fifth year is when I was invited to become pastor of Dixwell Congregational Church. Here again, a full swing, a mm-hmm. place that I had been, been at as a student 50, almost 50 years earlier. Right, right. So I came back um, to Dixwell and was there almost 12 years and um, decided to retire from the parish ministry a year ago. That That is, my family and I thought about it and decided that this year, 2023, would be the year I would retire. Um, we made that decision in 2022 after leading the congregation through through the pandemic and uh, helping it to survive and thrive and to stabilize its, its, its presence in the community. It was the spring of 2023 when the invitation came to be in the current position so here's the connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The current position is one of, of uh, guiding and 
facilitating students at the Divinity School who want to uh, acquire a joint Master's of Divinity or Master of, of Art in Religion with a Master's in Social Work. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a joint relationship with the Yukon School of Social Work has, that's been on the books and we've had students to go through it uh, over the years. And so we want to expand the partnership with uh, two or three other schools of social work in addition to UConn. And the reason for such an attraction is that the state, as you know, is dire need of more tra professionally trained social workers. Mm -hmm. And um, divinity students who go into a joint degree find a, a lot of value complementation between the values of social work, the skills that you learn, either in the clinical area of pastoral counseling, policy area of uh, uh, legislation, that kind of thing, administration, or community organizing. Those are the three areas that social workers focus on in their training and, and practices. So um, my job here, having done that, work in the church and in the community and to and to have incorporated uh, my clinical knowledge as a social worker dealing with trauma um, in the pastoral realm I pull all that together to help students to to make their journey through the joint degree program so that's the full no no, kind I, of no, no I really and the, the concentric circles as you say and, and, and interlocking circles that can Hopefully people can see the labyrinth. I really appreciate your giving, giving that context. Talk to me, Jerry. And, and again, we have about 20 minutes or so. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were in uh, Czech Czechoslovakia, Yosef, Kosovo? Oh, no, I, uh, uh, well, one of, again, one of these kind of synergies. When I came to the Yale Divinity School, there was also a person in, uh, named Dr. Richard Malika, who was a psychiatrist doing his residency at Yale New Haven Hospital, but he was also interested in religion and he was in the Master of Arts in Religion program. We became friends and had mutual interest in spirituality and psychiatry and um, done research together and done some publications together. He created what's called the Harvard Program in Refugee Trauma. And this is a, a program that trains mental health workers across mental health disciplines and primary health care to provide uh, clinical assistance to people who've been traumatized by war, mass violence, and natural disasters. And so my first um, stage of work with them, I've been involved with HPRT, the Harvard Program of Refugee Trauma now for 25 years. And my first, um, first assignment with that work was to uh, assist people in Bosnia right after the Bosnian conflict. Uh, so I went to Bosnia several times over a seven year period and working with our colleagues, we had a team of physicians in Bosnia, uh, but working with them to provide mental health uh, care to people affected by the, uh, the, the, the war that had ended with the Dayton Accords in, in the early 90s. And then I've incorporated trauma work in my work as a pastor and certainly the needs of the African-American community. And, and the reason I really appreciate your sharing that context and that, that part of your journey, as well as because for, for the shows, 
although I do strictly uh, historic shows, but I also like to kind of, even if it's if a historic if it's a, if a if it's a, a historic episode and someone's listening, I ask them to kind of translate that in terms of what's going on today. But today, that translation is not too difficult to make in terms of what's going on in the, in, in the Middle East and the founding of all of, of most of the religions. I guess wonder what's on your mind in that regard. You and I can't uh, mandate a ceasefire at the moment. We couldn't. We could invoke Ralph Bunch, perhaps, or we couldn't uh, in, invoke Andy Young, or we could invoke uh, President Carter's books. But I guess wonder what's going through your mind now uh, in terms of the refugee, uh, whatever crisis, where where you, you want to use in terms of the the, the humanity, this displacement of humanity that's going mm -hmm. on, and 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 again the need for what you're doing because even if the ceasefire happened today, these traumas, these bombs, these episodes, these deaths, these these murders are will perhaps take place uh, in the future. So uh, I, yeah, there. You know, as you know, there's long term um, significance, long term intergener intergenerational trauma that happens after major. Uh, events like a war or, or natural disasters or or civil unrest. So when we think about it, just in the last few years, we've had the culmination of problems in between uh, Israel and, and, and Hamas, between Israel and, and Gaza. The, the problems that we are now seeing didn't just Permit overnight. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a long history of conflict. That's num that's one scene. Then we have the situation in the Ukraine. That's another scene. Mm -hmm. And we've had some uh, uh, some atrocities happening in civil war conflicts in different parts of Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we we look at our domestic situation. George Floyd, uh, other the the killings and and state-sponsored terrorism and black people and uh, women and men and children. You see, these are variations. These brutalities are a variation of, of, of the same problem of racism and homophobia and, and uh, religious fundamentalism. And what needs to happen is these are very complex things, but in light of the current situation in Israel, uh, between Palestine and, and um, Gaza, uh, or Israel and Gaza, uh, in addition to all the political stuff that's going on in negotiations be behind the scenes between various countries, including Iran and Egypt and the United States, someone has to constantly talk about the need for there to be a different um, atmosphere whereby, as my mentor, and you're familiar with the work of Howard Thurman, mm -hmm. uh, used to talk about all the time is that you've got to redefine uh, uh, and take away the definition of enemy. Mm -hmm. that, that it sounds, you know, optimistic and all that. But the reality is that until people start seeing each other as equal human beings, as long as we stay trapped in this us and them, um, my religion, my ethnicity is superior to yours, it creates those barriers and the, that kind of segregation in which power then takes advantage of, and whoever has the power in a segregated world, the per people or the, or the institutions with the power live a different quality of life from those from whom the, their use of power then oppresses. And so 
you get that imbalance. And um, over time, uh, people who are oppressed will 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 reach out and you know and and resist and um, behave in ways that are inhumane on mm -hmm. both sides. Mm -hmm. On both sides. Mm -hmm. And and you and let, let's continue on that theme a little because you've also traveled to South Africa and and, and though you weren't there during the you know the 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 the, the, the overt oppression you saw the effects of, of what happened when for apartheid to be to, to have reigned its ugly head for several decades Sh share a little bit about that your, your South African experience yeah I um, I've been to South Africa several times my prime my initial reason for going as a Fulbright uh, senior Fulbright scholar was. To, to do research and to learn through the University of Pretoria uh, Department of Practical Theology and University of Pretoria School of Social Work, how social workers and ministers were being trained and educated to, in fact, help people who have been traumatized by mm -hmm. apartheid. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's the the, a continuous theme with my work in Bosnia, my work in South Africa, my work in right here in our own community and in the and in the private counseling I occasionally do. And and so let's let's continue I guess want to stay on this world, the global world and the neighborhood world because people often ask what the show's all about. And I say it's it's about what's going on in your home and your family and your church and your neighborhood and your world and your state, wherever you define your locus of control, you 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 are affected and you want to try to uh, muster up and gird your loin, so to speak, so you can be a, be, a, be a, if not a change agent, influence influence change. But but talk about so just include uh, Haiti on your list as well. I mean, people that's kind of become now backburner news, but people forget mm -hmm. the, the issues that have been going on there for so more recently as well as in the past. In any situation where you have um, dictators uh, uh, based upon religious differences or tribal differences or ethnic differences. The, that the dynamic is the same is it's the abuse of power and and people in power rationalizing the abuse of other people um such that they then make other people in fact less than they become objects as we say and it's easy to then uh, perpetuate more oppression and violence on people that you perceive as not another uh, human being like yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that condition only gets exacerbated by poverty, corruption, um, further means uh, use of resources that indeed segregates people and creates uh, multi-tiered kinds of society. Some people think, for an example, that uh, US in general is uh, we have social economic groups, you know, middle class, mm. rich, supposed to be rich and poor. But we are a very class-oriented society. Mm -hmm. We have so many class. Just take a just just buy a plane ticket, and you'll see how class-oriented mm -hmm. our society is. Mm -hmm. Everywhere from from first class to coach to business privilege, or you know all these mm -hmm. different cute little names, and but everybody's on the same plane, and nobody gets to the destination before anyone else. Mm -hmm. But we have this illusion of difference in such a way that I can have a more comfortable ride than you. And that mm. would be true if you have the so-called first class ticket versus coach. But you're all but we're all in the same plane. Mm -hmm. That plane goes down, we're all going down. First class is not going to stay up and coach is going to go down. 
you know, and so mm -hmm. we we create these illusions of separateness and independence as as if as if we can survive based on our own silo existence. And I don't want to get too too divergent, but just as you were chatting, Jerry, and again, it's always good to see you when you when you mentioned the uh, the, the classism, just in terms of the riding on a on a plane. My my mind jumped to the to the the uh, 11 and and the towers and how the insurance companies decided that certain, some people would get more money than others based on their projected income for the future. Right, right. I mean, so it's even kind of baked in, if you will, to our uh, our financial and, and insurance industry. Well, it's it's baked in it's baked into values that we derive from a distortion of capitalism. Uh, I'm not an anti-capitalist. I'm, I'm a capitalist in terms of we all we we should create opportunities for people to flourish uh, in whatever their capacities are. But the the challenge is op equal opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't care what someone makes versus someone else. But if you're making money at the expense of other people, that brings in a different issue mm -hmm. issues of of equity and ethics. Let's jump to the curriculum design a little bit, just to shift to the uh, the students that might be entering the program or students that might be considering entering the program. How do you think the curriculum will help to not not abolish racism, but uh, help help folks to kind of fight the battle for justice and equality better? Well, one of the one of the strengths and hallmarks of of the social work profession is its fight against uh, inequality and oppression. Um, Many schools of social work curriculum ha has a clear emphasis upon uh, on the BIPOC community and on understanding the dynamics of oppression and systematic racism and other forms of racism. Mm -hmm. And so students who go into social work learn um, not only the theories, but they get skills for assessing and then intervening and creating better systems and organizations and relationships between people depending upon the domains that they choose to work in. As I said, sometimes students are more, some students are more interested in the clinical pastoral counseling side, some are more interested in policy, others are interested in community organizing. And with the Reverend Dr. Barber here at the Divinity School mm -hmm. with his Public Policy Institute, um, uh, social work and public policy, that, that goes hand in hand. Mm, mm. So um, what we're trying to do is is to make that that kind of education available to a cohort of students who want to go in that direction. Uh, we have approximately 300 students in, across our, our degree programs, and we hope that on, on average to have about eight to 10 students every year in a joint degree program. Mm. Uh, we have seven who have completed um, so far in the last uh, three or four years, and we have three students entering the joint degree program in the fall. But it's important, Tom, for people to know also that while the knowledge and skills that social work offers, uh, which are in many ways different than what ministry uh, training does offer, they're very complementary, but also ministry brings something to social work. Hmm brings a different kind of larger world ethical view uh, and an appreciation for the spiritual nature of all life and of human beings. So it's not a matter of 
divinity education is being trumped by a social work education, they are actually complementary and strengthening mm. each other. Mm. 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 Excellent. You, you mentioned, Jerry, uh, about another 10 minutes earlier on at the kind of the top about the, the shortage. Do you define the sh shortage of, of people in this pipeline uh, because of the lack of interest or because of the need exceeding our capacity to deal with it? How do you, how you, how do you kind of, you know, define the, need, the, the needs are greater because of, of issues of, of equity and poverty. Um, there, there's so many ways to categorize the progress, the, pro, the problems, the needs are greater because of economic stresses in a lot of people's lives. It's greater because of the general stress that people are dealing with on everyday living. And then there are people who've actually had traumatic experiences, be it through domestic violence or veterans who have returned from, mm. from conflicts. Mm -hmm. And so social work, the need is greater across the board and certainly in child welfare mm. um, issues. I, so there's more, the need is greater. So there's more uh, a need to have trained people to who can understand and create uh, programs and opportunities and relate to people according to their needs and help them to not only identify their own individual strengths and capacities, but to also critique the systems that create mm. um, uh, the burdens that people are carrying. It's, it's not just a matter of, of, of locating the problem to whatever extent it exists within a person's personality and behavior. Mm -hmm. Behavior change. I mean, that's important too. But if you also uh, you're also dealing with people who are in systems that are constantly bombarding them and and adding more and more burdens. So it's both individual and social in that sense that that work is to critique and to provide ways out and better ways of, of administering social welfare programs and services. Is is it too, Jerry, I really appreciate that that clarification. Is it too simplistic to say that individuals might be quote unquote sick to some degree, but is it too general to say that society is sick? Yes. I don't think it's too general. I think it's I think that's real. Um, the way in which social media, for an example, shows us how we have been conditioned to violence, for an example, that violence is a form of entertainment, that um that people can take out their phones and record an abuse rather than intervening to stop it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, that that's a conditioning that that has come upon us and it's not going anywhere because social media, social media and all other forms of of um social media are are, are emerging. And the whole issue of AI, artificial intelligence, how we're going to interact and be able to make distinctions between what's real and what's not real. Mm -hmm. uh, all these things play upon our psychic and our unconscious. And without being aware and prepared to, to uh, without being prepared to be aware of how this functions and how this affects our behavior and our thinking, we can get into a robotic way of being without even knowing that we're being robotic. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, the the Pavlovian theory kind of kind yeah, of kind yeah. of kicks in. Uh, now Jared, I often often wonder. I know, you know, this is too simplistic, Tom, as you said. I I know the power of the state, for an example, the police power of the state. Mm -hmm. But I've often wondered what would have happened 
during the George Floyd arrest and with the police officer having his his foot, his, his knee on his neck. What would have happened if any one of his colleagues, police colleagues, had walked over to that police officer and put their hand under his arm and say, look, stand up, you know, let, let's let's release him a little bit. Mm -hmm. We would have had a whole different story, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now, as a citizen, if you're standing there and you feel like you really want to run over and grab the police officer, you know what could happen to you. You can get arrested for interfering with the police officer. You can even get shot because you, you're threatening, you know, perception of threatening a police officer. Mm -hmm. But the whole point is, how do we interrupt how do we intervene into modes of thinking and behavior that leads to destruction? How do we do that before it gets to the point of mm. destruction? Mm. Mm. Jerry, for, for people that are listening and students or even parents or just anyone that's listening that has interest in the program and how they might know someone in their network that might be interested in applying, what's the best way for them to kind of discover information? Oh, they can go on the, the yale.edu and then click on the Divinity School, or they can uh, they can email me. It's my as we say, it's my government name, Frederick Dot Streets, F R E D E R I C K Dot Streets S T R E E T S at yale.edu. Great, great, great. We have about uh, three or four more minutes. So I want you to kind of what if there's something that's burning in your heart but I'll, I'll kind of throw a hopefully not a curveball or a spitball or a forkball to you but but share uh if you will a a, a biblical uh passage either in, in the old or new testament that you think uh people need to really just uh ponder whether you're a christian or or jew it doesn't matter that that might be of interest to folks today that that you'd, you'd ask them to kind of either say to yourself or think about so that we can create peace on earth goodwill toward men and women yeah. Well, two come to mind. One is in the Christian world, we often cite John 3.16, for God so loved the world that God gave a God self that whoever believes in, in, in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In the Hebrew scriptures is um, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and your neighbor as yourself. Um, those are two anchoring um not only pastoral encouragements, but but justice encouragements uh, to love others as as you would love yourself is is a is an act of justice mm. and, and stewardship of of human of human life. For me, John three sixteen is the essence of the Christian message, as MC square is the essence of the message of physics. Mm -hmm. It's an elegant, simple statement. That's so comprehensive. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, MC Square is is such an elegant yes. uh, formula. John three sixteen is the same whether you're a Christian or atheist, because uh, I think all people are spiritual, not necessarily religious. But um, to think that however we understand God or the ultimate source of uh, that created all of creation, to think that that force or that creator loves us and to think about that and to accept that could be can have a profound feeling a profound impact on our self-esteem mm. about eight, eight more minutes let's drill down if we can if we can as we conclude on that thought because again it might be too philosophical but again this the social work 
uh, mission is a, is a is a is somewhat of a philosophical mission as well. My my point is when you talk about loving yourself, Jerry, uh, whether you I wonder if you agree with this. Some people don't have a good grasp on who their self is. If you follow me, right, and or that they might feel that their self is full of unworthy. Right. Existence. Well, uh, wait. So here's here's what here's what social work and pastoral work have in common. For an example, in the story of the creation, some people may be familiar with, the creator is looking for the first created couple, right? And and the story tells us that they were hiding from the creator, and when when the creator finally found them, uh, he said, "Hey, you know, I've been looking for you guys. I've been calling <laughs> you. You know, what what's up with this? How come you haven't answered?" And the response from one of them was, we didn't answer, we heard you calling us, we didn't answer because we were naked. You know, the story of, mm -hmm. of Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. right? And here's the question that the creator asked, and this is the question that social work and ministry helps people to wrestle with and come to an understanding of. The creator says to them, who told you you were naked? What is the reference point for your identity? Mm -hmm. Who, who told you that you're not lovable, that mm -hmm. you're not worthy? What experiences have you had? What systems do you interact with that reinforces in you a sense of inferiority? Mm. How, do we, how do we strengthen our internal selves? And at the same time, how do we activate our sense of citizenship by challenging systems of oppression? Mm. 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 Excellent. Jerry, let's, let's take another 30 minutes. I want 30 seconds rather. I want to give you the last last word. And this will not be a, a one-off. And I really appreciate your being available. I know we juggled a little bit this morning in terms of my- No, same, no. Well, I, I appreciate you and I appreciate the work you're doing. When I look back on my career, um, I, it, it looks so, um, uh, there's a synergy to it. But I, I want to say to your listening audience that sometimes- uh, you just have to follow follow your own instincts, follow your, your own passions. I would have never thought coming to YDS in 1972 that 50 years later I'd be mm. sitting here having this conversation with you. Mm. I came to YDS to, be a, to become a pastor, and I did. That's all I wanted to do. But in the process of doing that, I learned more about myself and what I was interested in, and that led me to pursue other uh, educational and other uh, um, formal and informal educational opportunities, which then opened me further to my own self-awareness, as you mentioned earlier, which then led to these involvements that I've described. But it wasn't because it wasn't planned out, like I mm -hmm. sat down and said, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so I would ask your audience to, to, to really trust their instincts and whatever the wrestling is, whatever the discomfort is, that's a gift from themselves to themselves, trying to tell them something about their journey. Mm, 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 mm. As and, we, and, not, and not to resist it, to learn from it, to invite mm, it. Mm. As we move into, uh, I mean, this month has been Native American Heritage Month kind of thing, as we moved into Thanksgiving. Uh, and just, I'm really glad you clarified about your, 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 your undergraduate experience uh, Say a little bit more about because that's so. I did not know that. I you know I, I thought it was an extrapolation from Canada, but to know this was a, a a native school, so to speak, named after this is a 
tremendous celebration. Some people might know about Dartmouth and its early origins, but certainly uh, what you just said was really important. So let's just close on that on that point as we recognize that we're, uh, you know, we're in Quinnipiac land as we speak. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, in 1865, when Ottawa University was founded, it was part of the, the missionary movement. And there's a lot of a lot of critiques and weak sides of that whole history. But the 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 missionaries who were working out in the Midwest in Kansas um, were in partnership with the Ottawa Plains Indians. They weren't trying to missionize them into being mm. Christian. Um, so the, the the school was created and and in honor not only in honor of the Ottawa Plains Indians, but to also incorporate some of the culture and the history of the Ottawa Plains Indians and. Uh, any native person of that tribe and some other tribes in the Midwest are able to go to, to Ottawa uh, on free as mm. they should uh, and get a really good so small uh, uh, school, well, rough, roughly you know, 1,400 people, mm -hmm. liberal arts college uh, affiliated with the American Baptist, but itself is not a proselytizing school. So, um, Coming from Chicago, on the south side of Chicago in the 1968 to Ottawa was a, a real cultural and educational experience for me. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Jerry, thank you so much, man. It's, well, thank you. Thank we, you. Continue to be well and do well. Same to you. And, and, and I'll say it again. Say hello to your family, as you always say to Mark. <laughs> as well as your family. <laughs> Thanks again, man. Okay. Thank All you. Right, over and out. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, hey. You're listening to the Tom Thicken Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio.